What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a- another episode of Down the Line. I'm Kyle Betts, alongside Brevin Honda, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, would you like to in- introduce yourself, Viper? <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Christian Alvarez. I'm a uh, former SDSU uh, Daily Aztec member. I worked alongside Kyle and Brevin for quite a few years and uh, did stuff in the sports section. Love to talk sports and and I'm thankful for just being on here with you too. Yeah, absolutely. And we're incredibly grateful to have you on today. I mean, to share your knowledge and your expertise. We got a lot to cover, um, ranging from Olympics um, to soccer, uh, the Premier League, most specifically, and then also UFC 265. But first, I mean, um, Revan, uh, last week was kind of crazy going on with the MLB trade deadline, and we missed a couple of trades that didn't happen. Um, that didn't really go down uh, prior to the 1 p.m. deadline. Um, let's cover those real quick. Yeah, first off, just excited to have Christian here on our show. Um, you know, with these MLB trades, a couple of them, um, first with the Pirates being, you know, first in some mode, selling uh, pitcher Richard Rodriguez to the Braves for uh, Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito. And then also the Pirates also getting Michael Chavis for left-handed pitcher Austin Davis, so a couple of trades involving the Pirates to help continue to rebuild and restructure that Pirates roster for uh, a couple years to come as you see that youth movement in Pittsburgh start to happen. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, we've also seen some other things go on um, throughout the league, uh, most notably with the Padres. I mean, Fernando Tatis going down again with his shoulder injury. I mean, that's tough to see. Um as well as being placed on the 10-day IL as a result of that. And then, I mean, the Padres are 16-7 and seven when he's out of the lineup, entering play today, Friday. Um, Brevin, Christian, can I get your thoughts on the injury? I mean, does it, does it hurt? I mean, are you hopeful that he's going to come back? What are your kind of emotions related to it? Right, Christian. I don't know, I don't know if you – okay. <laughs> I, uh, well, obviously, it's something that you don't want to see happen to any – player in no matter what league what's for um but it does hurt just a little extra when it's somebody that happens to be on one of your favorite teams and and seeing that this is not the first time that this happens to fernando this season uh it is concerning to know how much further damage happened what's going on with the situation um i mean the padres are still in a good position to be able to you know make the playoffs but I mean, if it's going to affect Fernando's long-term career, we're talking here, especially after signing such a hefty deal with the Padres, I feel like, for me personally, I'd like to see them do what's best for him long-term and not just thinking about this season. I mean, uh, that's, that's just how I truly feel in my heart of hearts. Um, I know that it's exciting for Padres fans seeing that this team has turned around and finally become one of the the good teams in the league, but and they really want to make a, a run for trying to get their first World Series. Uh, but personally, I, I feel like they should just take it easy and see how we can extend Fernando's longevity because he's clearly a talent that you're not going to just see come and, come and go easily in, in MLB. Yeah, Brevin, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think... I mean, I saw... That shoulder injury happened a lot. He was diving. He was trying to slide into third base. I'm um, trying to be a little bit too aggressive on a play, but 
I mean, it shows the aggressiveness that he has every single day. And that was in the first inning. But, I mean, when you think about it, he's 22. And this is, I think, the third time it's happened this year. And so now it's at the point where shoulders not surgery is not out of the question. And so I think we know that surgery is going to happen during the offseason. But we, ha- we have to figure out if surgery is going to happen before that. And so, and then we bring up this 16 and seven record when he's not in the lineup. It shows you the versatility and the resilience that this team has when you have players like Jake Cronenworth and Hassan Kim that can fill those shoes at shortstop. You know, it's really big. I mean, Hassan Kim, he's he's the only shortstop on this ball club that's got a gold glove from the, and, and that's from the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization last year. So it shows you the defense that, this team has, you know, we saw it, you know, last week Sunday when Hassan Kim was able to flash it with the glove and the bat, had that homer to the second deck against the Rockies. So it's been really, been really good to see that even with Fernando out, you know, with all the flair that he has, that that guys are picking him up, even with, you know, even in the lineup with. Manny Machado and Tommy Pham and you know we see Trent Grisham start to pick it up over the last couple of days on top of Cronenworth and Hosmer and even Will Myers as well yeah I feel like deep down AJ Preller knew that the risk of re-injury was there for Tatis and I feel like that's another reason why the Padres went out and picked up Adam Frazier you know I, I think you talk about versatility Brevin and and what the Padres have been able to do with that. And, I mean, Frazier's one of those guys. He can virtually play anywhere where you place him. So, I mean, that's a big part of it as well. Uh, Tough to see him go down, but uh, hopefully he's able to come back. Obviously, we're looking at the optimistic side of things, but um, obviously, Christian, I also agree with you in that. You know what? If it's best for his long-term health to go with the season-ending surgery, then you got to do it. And, two, what's also kind of related to this is that if – if Fernando doesn't do surgery until the offseason, it, it's kind of similar to the way we saw Denelson Lamette not have surgery after last year, just do the whole rehab after the whole arm arm injury that he had with the inflammation. So it'd be kind of, even though it's two different injuries, I mean, it's the thing of not having the surgery at that moment with Denelson Lamette, who's still tr- who just had a rehab appearance um, at low A, single A uh, with the Lake Elsinore Storm uh, this past Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, another big thing going on in the league this week. For my Angels, Joe Adele back in the big leagues, we saw him uh, play last season, and he did not uh, do as well as expected by any means. But a top prospect in the organization, he was called up, and right now doing well, adding 333 three RBIs, one stolen base, so um, he's showing off his speed as well, and I mean, it's good to see him get off to a good start. Uh, Christian Brevin, I'll start with you, Christian. Have you seen him play at all, and if so, have you? what are your impressions of him? If not, I mean, um, what, what do you expect? I, I've caught some glimpses on, on Twitter and, and through social media. I haven't watched any of, of uh, him play live, but uh, I mean, certainly he's been one of the top prospects coming into the league and and I think uh, I mean it's just been important for him to get exposure I think at this level and I think that sure you can have certain expectations set for for this young kid but ultimately I think it's cool to 
be able to just see him get this moment to be called up and and just get his feet wet and, and see what he can do so far and and you know his potential is you know he's got he's got a huge ceiling in front of him so um you know i'd like i'd like what i saw from him so far um and i think that you know there'll be more good to come just you know hoping that he's a guy that can stay consistent for the angels ball club and you know help them uh you know rise up and then you know improve themselves as an organization as well um so yeah that's i've, I've caught short glimpses from him but yeah i like i like what i see so far i think he's He's a good uh, player, and I think that because he's so young, I mean, who knows? This kid could could blow up at any time. I mean, that's how it could be with any player. Revan, do you expect him to have a better uh, finish to this season than he did 2020? I think so. I think when you look at you know being a first round pick, the Angels' first round pick back in 2017 at that number 10 spot, and you see him, you know, not. Kind of just, he's still learning to play at the major league level. I mean, yeah, you can play at the minor league level, but the game at the major league level is so different, whether it's the stadium size or it's the lights or the, the scoreboard size, whatever it is. You know, he's still adjusting to playing a, a major league level. I mean, to two, he hasn't played a full major league 162-game schedule. But for him to come out on, was it Tuesday in that 11-3 victory, uh, and to see him go three for four with three RBI shows him just the work that he's put in down in AAA um, to work his way back up to uh, the major league. It's kind of the way, you know, we see a lot of youth movement. You know, we see a lot of other teams across Major League Baseball that have a young, a lot of young guys, and we see them get sent down for them to work on stuff. You know, we see it, you know, even from the Padres, we saw with Reese Kinnear, um, it, he was brought up again. Uh, this past Sunday and to make a spot start and we see him go didn't give a walk just give up one run and three innings compared to his previous start where he gave up a few more walks compared to that and so we see the growth that happens when you go down you know it's always tough when you get when you get told you're being sent down but you know that if you put in that hard work then you know the reward's gonna be so be so much so beneficial yeah, you guys are spot on. You know, I think that, Christian, you bring up the exposure, and you're totally right because with Mike Trout being out right now, all the Angels injury issues, it seems like, you know, it's good to have that spark and see him out there. And then another good prospect that was just called up as well in the outfield, Brandon Marsh. It's really cool to see them. I mean, Angels fans have been waiting for that for quite some time now. So to see them both out there at the same time is pretty cool. And then you're absolutely right, Brevin. I think that, you know what? After that, you know, bad intro to the uh, bigs, I think it was good for him to, um, you know, kind of rekindle himself back in AAA and find himself with the Salt Lake V's. And it's good to see him perform so far. So hopefully he keeps it up and we'll see what happens. Kyle, when you look at this Angels team, you think about Joe Adele. Could you imagine this this lineup with him and Trout and Otani and Radone and you have David Fletcher up top all went healthy? It's so frustrating because they definitely have the roster to do it, but, you know, the main issue is the injuries this season especially, and we've seen it recently with, you know, um, Rendon being out for the season, Jared Walsh is back on the IL, but it's also good to see some other guys step up, like Phil Gosselin and Jack Mayfield, guys you would never expect to step up, but they are. Um, so, yeah, obviously 
you look forward to that day when all of them will be in the lineup. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll happen soon with Trout's status still unknown, and then Rendon obviously being out for the year, like I said. But um, hopeful for the future. Let's get some arms as well, and maybe that'll help the issues too. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. Still talking baseball, one of the big topics uh, of this year has been Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers, one of the bright spots for this Tigers team this year on top of Gio Soto making the all-star team because Cabrera's two homers away from 500. He needed 13 entry in the year. He's two away. And Kyle, what does it mean that Miguel Cabrera's um, creeping up to this milestone? Yeah, it's awesome. He's been around really forever. I mean, 2003 was his rookie season. I was born in 1999, so as long as I've watched baseball, he's been there. And you know what? It's been a lot of fun. He's a legend in the game, and you know what? He's absolutely deserving of um, almost getting to that milestone. I'm sure he's going to reach it and eclipse it as well. Part of that 2003 World Series team with the Marlins as well. (laughs) Yeah, too, you know, we think about his career as a whole. He's He's going to be a 300-plus hitter um, batting average. You know, he's pro- most likely probably going to get to that 500 mark. You know, you know, too, and he's only 55 hits away from 3,000. And then you start thinking about, you know, is this a Hall of Fame guy? And this is where our, our fair or foul segment is going to come into play here this week is, is once it's all said and done with his career – and once his, his name's going to be on the ballot because he's over that 10-year mark, will Miguel Cabrera will Miguel Cabrera be a Hall of Famer? I say yes. Um, two-time MVP, won the Triple Crown, 11 times All-Star. He's won the battle tie- batting title four times. I mean, you can't ask more about a player throughout his career. And obviously the best years of his career uh, coming in Detroit – um, really, when since he was 27 years old, that's really when he started picking it up. Um, you know, I, I think he absolutely is. His his career batting average, 311. Um, he he's done everything for that organization and more. So I think he's absolutely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, especially considering his longevity as well. The way he's been able to produce so well for such a long time, I think so. Absolutely, Christian. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like things you pointed out, he's got the ideal resume that you'd like to see on a player that would get into the Hall of Fame. And I mean, he's done his time and he's been with the organization and he's put in some, put in a lot of consistency. I think that's the, the highlight right there is that when you like to see these great players in these leagues is that they're consistent. They have a long longevity of being able to produce at such a high level. And I mean, once he, I'm, I'm pretty confident, like Brevin said as well, that he will surpass uh, 500 career home runs. and I mean, you just look at that list of uh, companies that he'll be in. I mean, guys like Big Poppy and Hank Aaron and Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, there's the list goes on. There's so many. I, I wrote them down here. There's so many great names that it's like, it, it's crazy the company that he'll be with. I mean, it's A-Rod, Willie Mays, Pujols. Like, there's so many elite guys that and iconic guys of the game that are in that conversation list right there. So uh, I think that will be a great moment for Miguel Cabrera. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think he'll he'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. Yep. Five years after he ends his career, he will be on the Hall of Fame ballot. So that could possibly be twenty twenty 
seven is when we could see his name on the ballot. All right, we're going to move on. Big thing last week on top of the Major League Baseball trade deadline, we had the NBA draft last week, Thursday. We had M- NBA free agency start this past Monday. And when you think about the whole draft and free agency as a whole, Kyle, what are your thoughts about just everything that went down? Oh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, free agency was absolutely crazy. Honestly, I didn't even know what was going on when it was. I was out shopping for furniture because I just moved to Phoenix. And all of a sudden, I get all these notifications on my phone from from Shams and Woj. And my gosh, man, I I was just losing track of everything that was going on during free agency. Um, I caught a couple uh, glimpses of the draft. Really only paid attention to the first few picks, even though we kind of knew who was going to go in that order. But yeah, man, I I think especially free agency really caught my eye. A lot of uh, big moves that happened and a lot of guys that signed contracts to stay where they already were. Mm -hmm. One of the big trades on draft night happened with the Lakers. Uh, It's been reported by Sean Serrania of The Athletic uh, that the Wizards have agreed to trade Wessel Westbrook a 2024 second-round pick, a 2028 second-round pick to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harold, and reportedly the number 22 pick also on Thursday. Christian, what's your reaction to that that tr- that reported trade? <laughs> so obviously that was probably the biggest flash of the free agency news that we got, and I mean this might be a small or however you guys take it as a, as a hot take with me as being a Lakers fan. I'm not sure I'm too happy with the move of getting Russ, um, just because I'm not entirely sure how the fit is going to be. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, there's no doubt that Russell Westbrook is a top player in this league. I mean, wherever you slot him in this conversation, I think he's certainly top 10. I mean, you could argue top five in the league for what he produces. I mean, he is a nine-time All-Star, and he's averaged a triple-double four times in his career. Um, you know, he's got the accolades there. I mean, he's made an appearance at the NBA Finals when he was with KD and Harden. Um, but the thing about Russell Westbrook, to me, that concerns me is that he is a very ball-dominant guy. You know, he needs offense to, to run through him, and he produces a lot from going inside and using his willpower to, to score on in the paint, you know, and he's not as well known, I think, with a strong suit of being from the outside. He's not known for being a shooter. Um, although, you know, this last season with the Wizards, he was shooting about 31% from three. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but it just concerns me of how, how you make it work. I mean, we've seen big threes before. I mean, we, we saw it this past season with KD Harden and Kyrie, and, and even though there wasn't as much of a a big sample size that we got because those guys were dealing with injuries and stuff. They were still able to make it work when they were on the court together. Um, and I'm sure that that would help with uh, with LeBron, AD, and, and Russ knowing that they're at different positions. And uh, But it just concerns me a little bit knowing how exactly they, it would, you know, share the rock and, and get things going. And, and I think the, the Lakers really needed to go for a shooter, but I mean... Uh, It'll be, it'll be interesting seeing how this all pans out. I know LeBron's had a big three before, and we saw that in Miami with D-Wade and Chris Bosh, but I think people would 
say pretty clearly that this is a bigger big three than that. I mean, getting these, you know, two future, if not three future Hall of Famers, um, you know, certainly I think D. Wade and, and LeBron were alphas, you know, 1A, 1B kind of thing, and Chris Bosh was a great player as well, but I think that, you know, Russ is, is another another level, you know, above uh, Chris Bosh when, you know, you look at the long-term picture. And, I mean, are, how are we going to see it all, you know, just mush out this season? I mean, is LeBron going to start to take a role of being kind of like third wheel and let AD and Russ, you know, be the ones that get loose? Or, you know, it's just a, it's a lot of curiosity that rings in my mind of how, how it all happened. But, uh, I mean, certainly it is exciting because it does make the Lakers a contender, uh, you know, a, a bigger contender if they weren't considered before heading into this season. Yeah, Christian, I'm with you. You know, I'm a Lakers fan myself, and I've always wanted to see Russ come home to L.A., but I never knew how he would fit in. So you talk about how he's a ball-dominant player, which he absolutely is. So I'm really interested also to see, you know, how he fits in, you know, with the offense. Who's going to be the primary ball handler? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be LeBron? Um, But also some food for thought. Paul George, he had 28 points per game in 2018. Bradley Beal, he had 31 points per game in 2020. Those were the best scoring years of of their career, careers. And that was all done while playing uh, with Russell Westbrook. So... Uh, interesting to see that. Obviously, you know, his his playoff resume isn't where you want to see either. But you know what? I'm, I'm with you, Christian. I don't know how he's going to fit in. I don't know how he's going to gel uh, chemistry-wise. Um, but obviously, I hope he does fit in well. Player can do. And I like the trade. Dumping Kyle Kuzma. Well done, <laughs> Lakers. Oh, man. You, you know, Christian, you bring up shooters earlier. You know, you, do you see it was a possibility to go after a player like Damian Lillard over R- Russell Westbrook? I uh, I don't think so. I think because knowing Portland, how Damian Lillard is their centerpiece of their franchise that has been for so long, and that Russ has been, you know, in comparison, I think he's been on like four different teams in the past like five or six years. And not saying that that's because he's a bad player in the team how it worked out. Um, and I think Portland was going to be an organization that was going to be a lot more tight on, on what they were going to want uh, versus the Wizards. They saw what they saw for one year and they said, hey, look, we're still in the rebuilding phase. We knew we, we knew when we got Russ, we weren't going to be a championship contender. We might have been able to you know, squeeze in the playoffs like they did, um, but they, that was you know very short-lived. So I think that they're still in the mindset of wanting to do what they can for long-term to potentially bring out some youth or maybe splash for some other superstar that we don't see coming in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they were a lot more easier to to give up for us. And, and who knows? I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that go on within organizations that, that sometimes we don't even know about. So maybe he had problems with some of the coaching staff. Maybe he just didn't mesh well with the players and the way that they wanted to go going forward, you know, it's uh, whenever you have a great talent like him, I think uh, we've clearly seen a good example of how it doesn't matter where he plays, he's still going to get his and he's still going to be, uh, you know, putting up the, the kind of stats that he has. And mm-hmm. so uh, I just think that Washington was 
probably a lot more willing to to take a a big chunk of what they could from the Lakers and and use it towards whatever goals they have of uh, I'd imagine wanting to be a, a good team in the league again. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we bring up the Portland Trailblazers. Damon Lillard's not on the Lakers, but one of his former teammates is on the Lakers, and that's Carmelo finally getting to play with LeBron on an NBA team. What's the reaction to seeing Carmelo being a Laker? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'll start. Um, I, I think it, it's really cool. You know what? He, he's still Carmelo Anthony, no matter if he's 37, 38 years old, and um, I think he's start, he's starting to realize, you know what, this is one of my last chances to get a ring here, so I'm gonna go for it. And you know what, I'm excited to have him. Um, he did well for the Blazers last year, all all things considered. I mean, it 13.4 points a game. Um, he can still shoot the ball well. He shot 40% from three, actually over 40% for the Blazers. So, um, Christian, you talk about getting shooters. He's one of those guys off the bench or even potentially in a starting lineup who can do that. So I'm, I'm really excited for that and uh, getting a chance to play along with LeBron AD. I mean, it's really cool. I'm excited for him. Hopefully he can produce at the level that he did with the Blazers. I think if he does that, the Lakers are going to be a tough team to stop for sure. Yeah, some of these moves that they've gotten are very interesting, and a lot of uh, a lot of old reunions, I guess. You know, blast from the past, and getting Dwight Howard now for the third time <laughs> tenured as a Laker, which I don't I don't recall any athlete ever having that kind of experience in, in professional sports. I don't know if you guys have, but I, I I recall players that have been there, like that they were there for a long time, and then they came back like just before they were going to retire. But I mean. I mean, Dwight, I don't think he's anywhere close yet to, to retiring still. I think he's got a little bit left in him, but being on the same team again for the third time is, is pretty crazy. And uh, and also getting Trevor Ariza. I mean, I remember him when he was with the run with uh, with Kobe and Pau Gasol and Amar Odom and all those guys. And Facing Carmelo back. in those Western Conference Finals, too. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, And seeing one of the, uh, the Banana Boat crew members now join LeBron and formally be on the team together it's uh it'll be exciting to see like Kyle said I think Melo's still got a lot of ball left in them and and uh certainly he's still produced at a at a good level uh for being in the league so I think he's uh he's got a lot of great uh a lot of great moments ahead of him hopefully he he makes the most of his opportunities when he gets them because you know that there's going to be plays drawn up or probably LeBron or AD or Russ are going to just drive in and kick it out to him and he's going to have to hit a big three or you know hit a big shot to be able to put up uh you know good uh good moments for for runs and during the season and, and during the playoffs i mean they've they've gone quite the other assets i mean i know Brevin, you and i were kind of brushing over this the other day about how the lakers are trying to be one of if not the oldest team to win an nba championship i mean the guys that they've signed i mean They've got Wayne Ellington and Ken Bazemore. They got Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, like all these all these old cats, you know, that are still in the league. So uh, I think it's uh, it's cool to see what the old guys can do. Let's see, let's see how it goes. Is it you know we bring up the the age? To, um, does it does that worry um, you know Lakers fans and the Lakers themselves? With that age um, gap? 
Yeah, I would say so to an extent. I mean, obviously, you don't want your starting lineup to consist of all those players, but still, AD is a generational talent. He's 27, 28 years old. He's got his years ahead of him. I mean, you talk about Kendrick now. I think he's only 26, and Malik Monk, 23 as well. And then I'm Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, he's the future of this franchise, I really do feel like. And he's, what, 21, 22 years old? So I, I think that, you know what? You combine that veteran leadership with the youth, I think that's going to benefit those younger players. And, I mean, obviously, you see the ages of these guys. I don't think it really matters. I mean, they're proven vets in the NBA. They can do it. And, you know what? I, I just go back to LeBron James's tweet yesterday. You know what? Keep talking about our age, but keep that same energy when the season comes around. <laughs> I'm with them on that. <laughs> uh, all right. Other news we got to get to around the league. Um Prior to the free agency starting on Monday at 3 o'clock, Kawhi Leonard declined his $36 million player option with the Clippers, but he's looking to sign a new deal with the other team in L.A. Chris Paul declined his $44.2 million player option, but we're going to get to him in a sec because there's more news with him. And Justice Winslow declined his $13 million team option. And we get back to Chris Paul. He uh, signed a four-year deal that that was reportedly up to $120 million from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN to stay with the Suns. Man, this guy's going to be playing till he's 40 years old? <laughs> I mean, absolutely crazy. Um, I know that he can. I, I mean, if he's able to perform as well as he did at 36, and I'm sure that he can keep it up for a few years, he's got a lot of years left ahead of him, and obviously the Suns could trade him at some point if they wanted to. I'm not sure. Who would take that contract, you know, if, you know, his uh, level of play, you know, kind of went down to that point. But, you know what, I think it's a good signing for the Suns. He was a big difference for them, and clearly he loves playing with Devin Booker. I mean, he made that clear and evident. And also, just a quick side note, some NFL news. Just got a notification on my phone. Josh Allen just signed a massive six-year deal extension worth $258 million, $158 million guaranteed. Gosh. Wow. That's I crazy. saw that. I saw that tweet, but I was just like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> "That's crazy." But yeah, talk about big deals. Chris Paul, he got one of them too. Yes, I wonder if you know we think about all this age. You know, all these players getting up there in age. I wonder if they talked to Tom Brady about how to how to get through it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that should be Tom's next book. Or something. <laughs> how to win at forty-two? How to win yeah. at forty? <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's see. The first big signing on Monday was Alonzo Ball, part of the big baller brand himself, signing a four-year, $85 million contract with the Chicago Bulls in a sign-and-trade agreement. Um, and the, that was from Woj himself. And then Sean's reporting the trade part of it. The Bulls are sending Tomas Sanabransky, Garrett Temple, and a second-round pick to New Orleans. Uh, thoughts about this signing trade uh, regarding Lonzo Ball? Yeah, I, uh, it's funny because I have a good friend of mine that was a roommate in college that's a Chicago Bulls fan, and he constantly like was getting teased like all the time about like, oh, why do you go? You know, I would hear like crazy things about people telling him like, hey, Michael Jordan's not there no more. You should switch teams. Like, <laughs> and he was just like, he's been riding with the Bulls forever. So, I mean, his whole life and. I asked him once they got ZL2, I was like, hey, you ready for the BBB experience? And he's like, the Bulls are still going to be bad. And then, like, 
I heard the news about DeMar DeRozan come over there. It's like, you still think the Bulls are going to be bad? He's like, he's like, they're going to get a lot better. I'll take it. Like, and uh, he's uh, he's excited for that. So I think uh, Chicago, I mean, it's going to be a, that's a fun trio. I think Zio 2 Zach Levine, and, and DeMar DeRozan, I think that's a, that's going to be a fun team to watch. And certainly it, uh, I mean, heck, if you could see teams like the Atlanta Hawks do what they did last year, and now you look at, you know, these more a little well-known players that have been in the league a lot longer. Um, I think that that's uh, exciting to see for Chicago. And I told, I was telling my friend this is that, I mean, having these guys just get on this team already, I think, sets up for a good culture long-term. You know, it gets other guys, other players coming into the league, or you know, maybe they have been in the league already to say, Chicago is now a place that I think about that I may want to come and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we haven't heard from Lavar yet. Where's he been? Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, he, he's worried about that rookie of the year with uh, Lamelo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love this trade. I think he's going to fit in really well in Chicago, playing alongside Levine and DeRozan, uh, Vucevic as well. Doesn't sound like Markinen's going to stay, but um, that's a nice young core there. And you know what? I'm especially sad that Alex Caruso signed there. Man, that's that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we think about another Eastern Conference team retaining um, players, and that's the New York Knicks, a team that made the playoffs for the first time since 2013, re-signing um, Julius Randle this past week. They also re-signed Nerlens Noel at center. And then they also signed... Alec Burks to a three to thirty million dollar contract. Uh, what do you think about the Knicks and what they've been able to do, especially with Tom Thibodeau taking over mid-season last year? Yeah, I, I think it's a great move for them. Obviously, keeping their core guys. Uh, the Knicks are a fun team to watch. We didn't expect them to really go on the run that they did, or at least I didn't. And I mean, Julius Randle was a big part of that. Um, Alec Burks, that's a nice guy to have. He, he's a solid guard. Um, he can he can hit some great shots when he needs to. And then Nerlens Noel, obviously a huge rim protector. Um, Thibodeau, I mean, he did a great job, obviously, coming in last year. Um, I, I think it's all really good moves to bring those guys back. They fit well together. They seem like they enjoy playing together. And, I mean, obviously, if they were able to do what they did last year, I think that the ceiling's even higher for them this time around, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think it's exciting seeing their guard play too. I mean, knowing that they also re-signed D Rose and and then seeing them being able to acquire Campbell Walker, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's fun mm-hmm. to see. I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, they also extended a uh, what's his name, uh, Evan Fournier. I think that that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, right? that's right. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a good player as well. And yeah, like Kyle said, the Knicks are a fun team to watch and. Uh, you know, I'm happy for, for Spike Lee to be able to yes. <laughs> finally see the Knicks do well <laughs> after you know, for a long time. And, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of Knicks fans are, are happy about that, too. I mean, playing in the iconic building, Madison Square Garden, I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to see what, what noise they'll make in the East because I know we we saw Milwaukee come out on top this year and, and Brooklyn is obviously the, the big talk of the NBA in general. But uh, the Knicks can really, you know, make a case for maybe getting themselves into a top uh, top seed conversation in the East. I mean, who knows? The, you never know how, how things are going to come together, and 
you know, some teams can just put together these runs that you don't expect, like how we saw with Phoenix or even we saw the run with Atlanta. I mean, they you never know. Mm-hmm. Another sticking with the Eastern Conference, sticking on the East Coast, we go from New York down to Miami. Jimmy Butler agreeing to a max deal with the Heat, as well as Kyle Lowry going from Toronto down to Miami. Thoughts about those moves? Yeah, I mean, really cool moves for the Heat. I mean, they're back in contention for sure. I mean, they have a lot of disposal for their starting lineup. You got Lowry obviously starting, Butler. Um, You could either start Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and then obviously P.J. Tucker, uh, Bam Adebayo being a part of that. Um, That's a good defensive team, and they got some really good young guys there. I think that's really exciting for them. And Jimmy Butler seems all in in Miami, obviously – in Chicago and Philly, he didn't have uh, the tenure that he wanted, but I think he, he fits in there well, and, and he's happy there. So um, he gets the big deal. Kyle Lowry to the Heat, that's a big move for them. I wanted the Lakers to pick him up personally because I knew that he, he would be a great distributor for the Lakers. Um, but excited to see what the Heat are able to do. Yeah, the Heat are putting together quite a juicy roster. They are going to be making some noise for sure. They uh... – they definitely want to try to make a run for going to the finals again. And, I mean, you just look at, like, what Kyle said. I mean, being able to acquire Kyle Lowry, I think now they'll have that guy that's won a championship and will be able to, you know, help those younger guys just grow and experience and, and elevate their game a lot more. I know that the Heat have that finals experience under their belt, so a lot of those guys, I'm sure, had some great takeaways from that that they could apply going forward. But, I mean, they also have – I mean, like you said, Kyle, they extended, they got the max deal for, for Jimmy Butler. And then, uh, I mean, they have Bam Adebayo, who's a great piece. And, I mean, they've got Victor Olimbipo, who's yeah. also a phenomenal <laughs> talent. I mean, they were able to get a steal P.J. Tucker from my, uh, Milwaukee. So, you know, you're going to have some grit with that guy. You know, he's that, he'll be that trash-talking, up-in-your-face defender that, that we know that is uh, proven. And uh, you've got the great young talents like Tyler Hero. And uh, then you got, you know, they give the, uh, I forget how, for how much it was. I think it was, I want to say it was like five years, 90 million for Duncan Robinson, right? That they gave the biggest contract to an unsigned free agent player or like un- undrafted player, something like that. And uh, yeah, they, uh, I think they're, they're an exciting team, to, exciting team to watch. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to see which team can come out and give uh, give Brooklyn the biggest uh, hard time to make another finals appearance, and I think Miami can beat that team. <laughs> For sure. Uh, we go Western Conference now with some of these new signings, these other signings. Mike Conley agreeing to restay, to stay with the Utah Jazz. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. staying with the Mavs, and probably the biggest signing of all of them, Seth Curry, uh, signing another deal to stay in Golden State or to stay in the Bay for your $250 million contract to be the first NBA player to sign two $200 million plus contracts. Yeah, I was surprised that the Jazz uh, gave Conley that contract. I didn't expect him to get three years, but um, he seems to fit in well there. Hardaway, he's been a nice piece in, in Dallas since he was traded there. Um, obviously, they want to keep as many shooters as they can. And then, yeah, Steph Curry, 
I think he's going to be a warrior for life. He should be. Um, this contract is basically pushing that in that direction. Um, so that's exciting to see Steph Curry uh, get his money. And, man, it's a lot. So, But it's also well-deserved. So um, he's going to definitely, you know, be in the MVP conversation again next year, I think. Um, always seems like he is. So uh, big deal for that guy. Especially, too, for the season that he had last year without Clay, yeah. you know, without really having a, a, you know, a somewhat, you know, a top seed playoff type of team this past year, you know, obviously, you know, it kind of really showed that he really had to step up last se- last season, you know, without this flash brother, Clay Thompson, you know, only really playing with, with Draymond Green, you know, not having Andre Gudala with him as well, you know, not having really anybody else in terms of championship experience wise, because of the, all the youth that those Warriors have had with James Wiseman. Um, and so it's, you know, I think Steph Curry really earned this deal, especially after last year and what he was able to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Steph because I think uh, a good thing came out of a bad situation with all these injuries that happened to the Warriors. And I think that I, I've seen, I mean, I know that the Twitter could be a toxic place and stuff, but I've seen a lot of flag that came Steph's way and people were thinking because he was on these, these super teams that he wasn't as good as he is and, and stuff. And I think now that we saw... Uh, some of the key pieces, you know, not be present during the season for the Warriors and Steph still being able to do his thing and, you know, be the, the great shooter that he is. I mean, it's, uh, I think, just reinforcing about how how uh, phenomenal he is as a player and one of the faces of this league. And, and I think, sir, uh, it'd be cool to see him ride it out with the Warriors and, and be there. And, I mean, he's a, you know, if he keeps it going as, as it is, I think he'll be the... Uh, you know, the guy that, that you'll think about when you think about uh, the Warriors in terms of iconic players that have ever played for that franchise. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to move on here. Um, now we got the Olympics. And one of the big things from last weekend uh, from the Olympics was former Aztec Xander Shoffley taking home the gold medal. And it was a jardine just in that final round just to get to just to get to that gold medal, let alone just the final hole they played on 18, hole number 72 of the tournament. But he bogeyed 14, and that saw the lead go away. And so I'm tied the lead with Slovakia's Rory Sabatini. On the on the drivable par four on 17, his drive went into the left greenside bunker, so we had a scramble for birdie, which he did to get that one-shot lead heading into 18. And then you see his drive on 18 go wide right behind the electronic scoreboard that they have out there on 18. And so he had to punch out to get into the fairway and he's about 100 yards and he wedges it in for a four-foot shot to say par and get the gold. Man, that was crazy to watch, for sure. I mean, obviously losing the lead and then uh, getting it back the way he did um, on those last couple holes, I mean, that was awesome. And then also to hear about the story with his dad from Germany, who also had his chance in the Olympics, uh, had his dream taken away by a drunk driver. But then uh, for his son, 
to also, you know, really fulfill his father's dream and, and for his father to be his caddy as well. I mean, that's so cool. I mean, that was, I think that was my favorite part of it, just hearing that whole story. Um, and Xander to win. I mean, that's awesome. Obviously well-deserved, and it's so cool to see him get his glory. Obviously, in the PGA Tour recently, he hasn't had the results that he's wanted, so um, that's really cool to see him get it. And obviously, representing San Diego State, great for the university. Yeah, I, I love it. This is uh, just one of those moments. I mean, I have this. I still wear it since uh, I was a freshman, but it's like a red uh, little band, like rubber band that says, proud to be an Aztec for life. And this is, I mean, what Xander did is just one of those moments that, that uh, you know, is so makes you so proud to know that you share history with him about being at the same university. I mean, and then seeing him now be elevated more than, you know, he was before. And, and now you think about all those great alumni that San Diego State have produced with Tony Gwynn and Kawhi Leonard and, and Strasburg and, you know, now Xander being in that conversation. I mean, it's uh, just one of those moments that makes you feel so uh, so happy for the guy. And, and like Kyle said, I mean, the, the story about what happened with his father um, and just seeing him embrace that moment with his dad. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it just brings you, it just makes you feel so emotional about it. And uh, it, was, it was a great moment to see, and I'm really happy for the guy. He's, uh, it, it's just incredible to me about, like, the stat of him being the first American to win an individual play in golf since 1900. So uh, I know that yeah. 2020 Olympics, but, I mean, 121 years now since that happened. I mean, that's so crazy. Too, we think about Xander. Yeah, I, I wrote about Xander, God, how too many times last year for Daily Aztec and waiting for him to get that win because, you know, his last win on the PGA Tour was going back, all the way back to January 2019 when he won at the Century Tournament Champions out in Kapalua. And, you know, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, the number five ranked player in the world, and yet he hasn't won a tournament since then and over two years. That includes eight second-place finishes, you know, that includes finishing second at the Masters to you know, probably one of the favorites of this year's Olympics and a hometown product and Hideki Matsuyama, you know, losing to him at, at the Masters last year. We think about his, you know, going back to the Waste Management Phoenix Open when he had the 54-hole lead, and then he just loses it there on the back nine. And so this was – it was so, I think – proud for Xander to, to win after 54 hole to after having the 54 hole lead because this is the first win after having that lead um you know because he hasn't done it yet on the PGA Tour all his technically five wins when you think about it four and a half depending how you call that um PGA Tour championship a few years ago you know, he didn't have the lead heading into the final round and so mm-hmm. for him to have that 54 hole lead for him to get that Birdie to end round three on 18, you know, gave him that momentum um, heading into the final round. Yeah, absolutely. Up next for Xander, he's going to be at the World Golf Championships, the St. Jude Invitational. Um, that's going to be with USA Olympic teammate Justin Thomas and 2016 gold medalist Justin Rose. Um, looking forward to that. Hopefully, he's also able to capitalize on. Uh, that and um, get some more success in the PGA Tour because we know he can definitely do it. Absolutely. So um, hopefully he rides that momentum. 
hate to bring it to Kyle, but that's not looking like it right now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Round two <laughs> Round two is underway out at the oh, okay. St. Jude. Xander shot a three over 38 on the back nine as of right now, and he's at the plus two, so things aren't looking good. Xander had a triple bogey on the 12th, along with bogeys on 10 and 17, so things aren't looking good right now for Xander. All right. Well, there's always the next competition. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> it's just getting ready for getting ready for the FedEx Cup playoffs later this month. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Out in Memphis, uh, TPC South win, but you know that's you know Xander during his Olympic run last week, it took us eight under sixty three. When he recorded two eagles and six birdies in that round and finished that back nine with a 30. And I think that would really fueled him because that's what put him up top of the leaderboard at the end of round two. And that 63 was his lowest round of the of the season for Xander Shoffley. All right, we move on to some other Olympic USA teams. We got USA Women's Beach Volleyball, their A team of April Ross and Alex Kleiman winning gold yesterday. And then continuing that tradition of high-level play in beach volleyball from the days of Misty May Trader and Kerry Walsh Jennings winning gold year after year. USA men's basketball, they're moving to the gold medal game against France on Saturday at 11.30 in Japan, 7.30 p.m. tonight here on Friday night here on the West Coast. Women's basketball, they're also playing in the gold medal game after their win yesterday over Serbia. They play Sunday at 11.30 in Japan, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night on the West Coast. We saw women's volleyball move on to the gold medal game last night in their three-set victory. USA Baseball, they're moving to the gold medal game against Japan. Um, That game is on the 3 a.m. on the West Coast tomorrow morning, 7 p.m. in Japan. And uh, women's soccer taking home the bronze medal after their tough loss against Canada in the semis. Um, four to three, and when you look at all these teams playing in the gold medal or got their bronze medal for women's soccer, what are your reactions to seeing these teams get there? Yeah, I, I think uh, it was good to see USA women's soccer get a medal. Obviously, that Canada game was frustrating. I watched it. Uh, that penalty decision going to Canada, I disagreed with it, but it happens. It's it's, it's a part of footy nowadays, so you just got to taken and move on but yeah I'm, I'm glad they got the bronze um the expectation was for them to really just run through every team that's what i thought i mean that was my impression um but obviously we'll take the bronze and that and it's also really cool you bring up um the women's beach volleyball team taking the gold and also women's volleyball in the gym going to the gold medal game that's cool i mean let's capitalize on all these on all these uh, opportunities here i mean team usa has done well so far these olympics and now we're in a lot more gold medal situations so hopefully they're able to bring it home mm-hmm. yeah pretty uh pretty remarkable stuff i mean seeing alex and april did what they did in beach volleyball um you know winning that gold medal i mean i saw the crazy stat about this now being the fourth gold medal for the USA program, while the rest of the world combined only has like three gold medals <laughs> women's volleyball on the beach, and that's just crazy to see. Um, yeah, I think uh, expectations for the U.S. women's soccer team was obviously to win gold, and it was a, a disappointing tournament probably overall for them in terms of 
how much pressure they put on themselves with bronze medal. Hey, we'll take it. Um, it's uh, I think it is kind of cool to see though that there's a lot more diversity when it comes to who's coming out on top of these these tournaments in terms of the international stage. Um, so I mean, congrats to uh, Canada. I mean, they ended up winning the gold medal today uh, against Sweden in penalties. Uh, so it wasn't like they they lost to uh, a lesser foe or something. You know, it was a, a team that you know just had them. You know, beat on the penalty uh, conversion, and uh, yeah, they won gold for the first time in their program. So you know, hats off to Canada, and uh, yeah, women's women's basketball as well for the U.S. I mean, looking to get, I think it's seventh gold medal in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, right. pretty crazy. I think they're riding like a 50 plus like win streak, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I mean, uh, the White Mamba, Diana Taurasi, and uh, <laughs> the two birds, they'll be making their fifth Olympic final appearance, which is crazy. I mean, yeah, it's uh, a lot, a lot of exciting stuff there. And then obviously with the men's team, seeing KD and Devin Booker do their thing right now is just incredible to watch. I mean, showcase of you know having one of the best players in the world and one of the best up and coming players in the world. So I mean, it's a, a lot of fun to see. Uh, fellow Americans doing the uh, in the Olympics right now. One other gold medal I didn't get to was in rowing. Is actually in paddling 200 meter canoe race. We talked about former Aztec Xander Shoffley winning gold. We have a future Aztec taking gold in Nevin Harrison taking gold in the 200 meter canoe race in women's 200 meter canoe race and. You know, she was, um, when she was 18, she was one of the favorites to win heading into this year's Olympics, but, um, she went through some, you know, pretty sure she was one that, she was originally playing sports like soccer and softball and track before she had something happen to her and she couldn't play, so she went to rowing and now she's an Olympic gold medalist and in the fall she's going to be at San Diego State just as a normal student studying biology yeah that's wild i mean crazy to see her do that um and get the gold i mean just a great story like you mentioned brevin and hey i mean it's too bad uh sts doesn't have a rowing program anymore right? yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, all right interesting icebreaker though for her she'll never have a hard time doing that yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah someone asked you yeah what'd you do this uh what'd you do for your summer i won a gold medal in tokyo <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right we we're gonna move on here um we got some soccer to talk about now we got first um one of the big news yesterday was a Lionel messi deciding to end his career with fc barcelona christian what was your reaction to seeing this yesterday you know, it had been like a tease for the past one or two seasons. And I mean, it didn't end up happening for such a while. So I thought, is it really going to happen? Is it not? I mean, are they just trying to spread some kind of, you know, bluff out there so that they could try to, you know, land some more talent to help Messi out or something? But um, seeing that, you know, it actually was for real that he's leaving Barcelona and he's not coming back. I mean, it's, uh, it sucks. I mean, I personally, uh, it just sucks because you know Messi is a transcendent talent of football and I mean he's one of if not the greatest player to ever play 
And uh, I mean, certainly in the top two, top three conversation. I mean, he's, he's that big of a legend in this game. And I mean, seeing what he did, the resume at Barcelona, I mean, 778 games, 672 goals, uh, 305 assists, 35 trophies. You talk about uh, how there's like, I saw something online that said you could be like a player coming in and score like 15 goals a season for like, I think it was like 20 seasons or like 18 seasons or something like that. And you'd have like, uh, like 600 goals and like it still wouldn't be surpassing Messi. It was like something crazy <laughs> like that. It was, I mean, he's, it's so wild. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really bummed out because he knew Messi was going to be one of those rare players. I think they could have written it out with just one team. I mean, we've seen other players do that. We've seen other players where they have the long tenure with the team and then they end up writing out the last two, three, four years of their uh, experience at the professional level with different organizations. But uh, I'm curious now to see where he'll go, but certainly it's uh, it's sad to see the end of an era between uh, all the battles that he did with Barcelona and the silverware that they got and, and just seeing what he's done for Argentina on the national stage. And I mean, it's, uh, it's a sad sight to see and I feel for Barcelona fans uh, knowing that now another... If now the biggest centerpiece of their organization is, is gone, um, it's a it's a it's a bitter bitter moment. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the cemented legacy of Messi is is there forever, won't be forgotten. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he definitely put Barca on his back for for so many years. Yeah, Messi is FC Barcelona. He, he is football to be honest, and everything that he's done for that club, his boyhood team. Um, it's sad to see these events unfold the way they did, especially after it was announced that he was going to sign the contract, but Barcelona had some issues with uh, La Liga and um, their financial uh, stability, th things of that sort. Um, so ultimately, they weren't able to bring him back. Um, I feel like they could have, though. I feel like there, there could have and should have been a way, especially a guy of Messi's caliber. That I saw a statement from Messi saying he, he was he was disappointed, he was disgruntled with them, um, not wanting to um, work with him in, in his contract. And uh, obviously he wanted to stay. Um, so that's unfortunate. But, yeah, you said it perfectly, Christian. He, he's a legend. Um, one of the best players, if not the best of all time. And I think he's going to go to PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, um, Hopefully not Man City, <laughs> but um, I think that's his top target right now. At least that's, those are what the reports say. So we'll see where it ends up next. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing to see him go. Yeah, I kind of was disappointed, even though I don't watch much soccer. I know that Bill Messi's been there, got how close to twenty years now playing for Barcelona. It's kind of like one of those feelings, where it's like end of an era. You know, it's kind of like similar, like someone calling their retirement but on a bad term type of situation so that's kind of kind of how it felt for um seeing that um one of the big things that happened last week uh was the gold cup between the u.s and mexico it took extra time almost getting to the point where it took penalty kicks but miles robinson of the united states men's soccer team scored on a free kick at the 118th minute mark with a header inside the penalty box to, to give U.S. the win inside Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Christian, were you watching that game? And if so, what was your reaction to 
seeing us pull it out after 118 after 120 minutes my eyes were glued to the screen and i could not stop watching that game it was uh just one of those classic games between mexico and the u.s where he's just got one of those fun uh styles of play where both teams are just having their attacking chances and just couldn't find the back of the net for such a long time and and he thought, who the heck is going to break this tie? Is it really going to go to penalties? And, uh, you know, ultimately, like you said, Miles Robinson, three minutes before penalties are going to get called up, he scores a header and gives the U.S. their seventh Gold Cup overall, uh, first since 2017. I think it was uh, a very fun thing to watch. I mean, uh, it was a little – it was a house divided when I was watching this because I was with family and, and I have Mexican heritage, and so – you know, my parents and stuff, they were obviously going from Mexico and I'm here going for the U.S. And I was with uh, some cousins and some other aunts <laughs> and uncles and we were watching the game and it was just a lot of fun and, uh, you know, a good moment. I wish there was more goals. I wish it would have been like the final back in June between these two nations in the, uh, uh, what was it, the CONCACAF Nations League, I think that's what it's called, right? Where yeah. It was, uh, it was a 3-2 outcome and that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, this one, I mean, we only got to see one goal, but still it was uh, you know, both teams had their chances, and it was a certainly entertaining game. Uh, being out there in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, I mean, I would have loved to be out there, but I know tickets were probably, like, stupid expensive. <laughs> um, but it was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to see, and I'm happy for, for the U.S. I mean, this is what the program needs to get in the direction of becoming, a, you know, a good enough national team on the World Cup stage. So I think they've got the, the perfect momentum, uh, knowing that they've written out this Gold Cup, knowing that they got the Nations League Cup, and uh, they've got some great young talent that is finally coming into the coming into the fold. I know that they still got a lot of great veteran players. Uh, they can still play at a high level, and I'm sure we'll get called up come World Cup time if they qualify this year or next year. I mean, but uh, certainly it was. It's great to see the U.S. doing well. Mm -hmm. Kyle, what was your reaction to seeing um, U.S. take home the, the gold cup or actually keep the gold cup in the United States? Yeah, um, it was great to see. I didn't really start watching until extra time, actually. I went to a restaurant and they were showing it. Nice stuff. Uh, a great moment for the youth of this country and a big summer as well. I mean, you said perfectly Christian winning the, uh, the nation's uh, league uh, earlier on. Um, I think it is a bright future for, for this national team. I, I think that um, with this momentum and uh, with all the other guys that have already been proving themselves through the years, like Pulisic and, and uh, Gio Reyna, a lot of the younger guys are going to continue to get better. Um, we've seen a lot more guys from this youth system go on to play in Europe and develop and that's really important um, so I think it's going to continue and obviously I think it's a big win for the U.S. because I mean it's really just been U.S. and Mexico fighting for the Gold Cup really since I guess what 2002 now so it's, it's been it's been crazy it's, it's absolutely been a dogfight so it's good to see uh, them come out with a win and hopefully the U.S. is able to continue getting better. Yeah, they hope to get better ahead of the next Summer Olympics in 2024 out in Paris. All right, we're going to move on here. Um, one of the things that kind of tougher news that kind of happened this week that was announced was former Aztecs women's basketball coach Tevin Morrison with his health 
Um, Christian, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, former STC women's basketball assistant coach uh, Kevin Morrison, he's uh, he's 48 years old, and, and it looks like that uh, recently, as of uh, it was revealed by his wife Heather, uh, that a year ago, and uh, well over a year ago in July of 2020, he had a PAT scan, and uh, it revealed that he had a, a cognitive impairment, and they diagnosed it as uh, as dementia. And it's, uh, you know, obviously a terminal diagnosis and uh, family. I mean, he's got his wife and he's got four kids. And, uh, you know, just really uh, unfortunate situation. They don't know, I mean, how long the, the timeline is of, of what's going on uh, and what will happen to him. Uh, they're saying that uh, it is rapidly uh, advancing in terms of its uh, stages. I mean, they said... Uh, Kevin's in his fifth stage out of seven stages in total. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were initially trying to figure out from different things that neurologists were saying and uh, of what was going on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, they believe that he's suffering from, like, an early onset of uh, Alzheimer's. And, and uh, it's just a really unfortunate outcome. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, life is so precious and and it, it can always change in an instant and, and, you know, we just have to be, uh, you know, just grateful for every, every day that we have, you know, on this earth and, you know, spending mm -hmm. it with our loved ones and, and such. And, uh, you know, for Kevin, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are behind them, right with them and, you know, will be there for his family, you know, now and forever. And, and, uh, I remember Kevin being such a nice guy to me. I mean, there are times that I went to go see uh, Ben at the uh, uh, during practice or during uh, in his office and such, and Kevin would come up to me and you know he'd conversate with me or sometimes you know scare me and pat me on the back or uh, times that I was uh, waiting to come in the game or come into the practice and I was uh, the doors were locked and Kevin would <laughs> somehow practice and come by and he'd unlock it for me and, <laughs> and let me come in so. Uh, you know, I always appreciate his kindness, and he's such a I always had a smile on his face, and he's a, a great person that they had in their culture uh, around the women's basketball program. Uh, I know his uh, his wife uh, worked with a page on uh, on the Instagram that's called the the Mom for the Four Mom Charity, um, and they actually set up the Morrison Family Fund grant, uh, which they're you know, raising funds since uh, Heather, uh, you know, is the one that's now taking over all the family duties and, and having to raise children. I mean, during the pandemic, it's, I mean, couldn't couldn't get much tougher for them. And um, uh, so they they currently have that going on. And uh, you know, I know that I've uh, I've donated to their grants. And and if there's anybody out there that uh, you know feels uh, that they want to contribute as well. Uh, during this tough time, uh, they have uh, the grant listed on their website. So it's at a www. Uh, for the number four and then mom. org slash grants, and uh, on there uh, you can find for where they have uh, to be able to donate to Kevin's family. Um, if not, you know, uh, you guys can contact me, and and you know, I'll direct anybody to be able to find the. The resource they need for that so uh again yeah it's just a unfortunate outcome 
um, you know, hoping that, you know, there's some miracle that happens that, you know, they ever able to find a solution. Um, but uh, regardless, you know, always stand with Kevin and, you know, he's a, a great person and, you know, his family's wonderful people as well. And uh, yeah, it's just a fortunate, fortunate outcome. And, you know, just really uh, heartbroken over the situation. Yeah, I never got to know uh, Coach Kevin personally, but I knew of him. And um, obviously, seeing that on Twitter last week, uh, you said it perfectly. Absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, we're thinking about him. We're thinking about his family. We're praying for him and them as well. And uh, um, you said it perfectly. If, if anyone is uh, able or willing to contribute, uh, please do so. Um, obviously, it's a tough time for their family. Um, and we're hoping for. Um, the best outcome possible out of all of this um, and I go back to your point Christian when you say life is precious so uh, you never want to take it for granted so um, again we're thinking of Coach Kevin um, and uh, we're, we're um, really just praying for him and we hope he stays strong during these tough times yeah and this comes after Christian and I covering actually covering this Aztecs women's basketball team for the Daily Aztec for a couple of years, even while Coach Kevin was part of that coaching staff in 2018-2019 and into 2019-2020. And I got to cover this team, you know, when he wasn't part of the staff uh, last season, 2020-2021. All right, we're going to end here on a positive note. We're going to talk UFC 265. Plenty of big matchups here on this line. Kyle, what do you think about this? Um, all these matchups here for 265. Yeah, this is a big weekend in the UFC. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, uh, Derek Lewis uh, going on here uh, for the UFC fighting. Uh, and then Jose Aldo as well. I think there's some really big fights going on here this weekend. A lot to look forward to. And then uh, Christian... Uh, we all know which uh, that you're the biggest UFC fan that we probably know. Um, what are you looking forward to? My my lips are salivating over this weekend. There's a, a lot of great <laughs> things happening. I mean, but uh, I guess I'll start with the big fish and, and the big boys in this case with the heavyweights that we've got for the interim heavyweight championship between Derek Lewis and uh, Sino Gone. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup because... I mean, you know, these are heavy hitters. These are the guys that, yeah. I mean, all it takes is one punch to do. And and you've got, I mean, the heck of an opportunity for Derek Lewis. So get this. He's 10-0 uh, in the state of Texas, and he's fighting in his hometown of Houston. He wants to be the first ever UFC champion for Houston. And on the other hand, you've got uh, Sinar Gan, who, who has come into the MMA scene just five years ago, 2016. He's had his professional debut in Muay Thai, and he went 13-0 in that. And then he made his professional debut in MMA in 2018, and he's 9-0 so far, so he's undefeated. And, I mean, he's the only – he's the fourth person in the UFC in the heavyweight division to start off 6-0. and uh, If he wins uh, tomorrow night, he'll move to 7-0, and he'll be at second all-time, tied with uh, Francis and – uh, who's the current champion for the UFC in heavyweight? Mm -hmm. Kane Velasquez, former champion, and Junior Dos Santos, uh, former uh, as well. And uh, I mean, there's just uh, you never know what's gonna happen. I mean, Derek Lewis is that guy that has put on some iconic 
uh, moments for the promotion. He's certainly entertaining. I mean, if you guys ever uh, are on Instagram, if you look on his Instagram page, he puts the most wildest videos you'll ever see on there. Some stuff I probably can't talk about, but <laughs> but you go see for yourself. He's a very entertaining guy. Um, he is uh, deemed as the UFC's knockout king because uh, right now, as as we stand, he's tied with uh, Vitor Belfort and uh, Matt Brown uh, for the most knockouts all time. He's They've all got 12 apiece. So if he somehow comes out with a knockout, in his home state, uh, hometown of Houston, and becomes the interim champ. I mean, he'll he'll be most knockouts all time, and then set up a fight against Francis Ngannou potentially, who he's already beat once. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a crazy situation. I mean, you know, for Ghana, if he can pull it off too uh, in this matchup, I've got my mind says Ghana's gonna win, but my heart wants Derek Lewis to win. And Derek Lewis has proven me wrong before. I mean, in his even in his last fight, he was fighting Curtis Blades, who's a wrestler, and everybody thought, you know, this guy's just going to out-grapple him and not let Derek Lewis do his thing on the feet. And Derek Lewis just landed one punch when he caught him well, going for a takedown, and, and that was lights out, and that was that. And so, um, you know, he's, he's definitely got that, that uh, one-punch power like I talked about before. Um, so it's... Uh, that's that's very exciting to to see between these two big boys and they both they both weighed in well this uh, this morning so the fight's on so we've got no issues there nobody you know off the card slated um, I know for this card we were supposed to have uh, a bantamweight fight between I believe uh, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena I think it was for the bantamweight title but uh, Nunes had to pull out because she got COVID uh, so you know we wish her well in her recovery and that. You know, they'll slate that fight for uh, later in the future. Uh, you know, co-main event, we got Jose Aldo against Pedro Munoz. Uh, Aldo is, you know, a legend of the UFC, uh, longest reigning bantamweight champ, or excuse me, featherweight champion of all time. Uh, you know, held the title for over five years. I think it was five years, 22 days, exactly. Uh, title defenses. Now he's, he's moving down 10 pounds and he's fighting at uh, bantamweight. So uh, for me in the UFC, it always seems like the heaviest people are always the most entertaining and also the lightest people are the entertaining. So for the men's division, it is 135. So there's just something weird about it where, um, you know, they, these guys really go after each other. And even though they, they're not the, the heaviest hitters, I mean, they, they just pack a lot of uh, power behind their punches still and They've got a flurry barrage of uh, of output when it comes to being on the feet, so I think that will be a great fight. I mean, uh, you got the classic uh, wrestler versus striker matchup with Michael Chiesa and, and Vicente Luque fighting at welterweight. Uh, so that's always a, a fun one to watch to see which uh, which discipline is going to overtake the other. Um, you got a feisty matchup between the women with Tisha Torres and Angela Hill who's representing San Diego, by the way, because she trains out at Alliance MMA in Chula Vista. And uh, that's a fun fight because this will be the second time they, they end up fighting. Uh, they fought back in 2015. That fight will probably go the distance because both fighters are not known for, for getting many finishes. Angela Hill, for example, uh, in 22 professional fights, she's only there's only been six times where she's either been defeated or she's finished somebody off as well. 
and uh, Tisha Torres has only had two finishes in 17 fights. Uh, so most likely that will go distance, so you can expect a lot of uh, back and forth. And then uh, to start off the main card, you get Casey Kenny and Song Yadong at Bantamweight. Uh, this will be a striker's delight. You know, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. These guys will be going at each other, trying to beat the crap out of one another. <laughs> so it should, uh, should set up for a great night of fights. And uh, yeah, I, I'm crossing my fingers that hopefully hopefully things turn out that way because uh, as we know how we've seen in other outcomes, it's uh, not always the case, but I'm uh, crossing my fingers that it does. Mm-hmm. Should be a wide list, a nice long list of fights tomorrow night in Houston, the home, like you said, Christian, of, of Derek Lewis. All right, we want to thank everyone for tuning into this week's episode of Down the Line. We want to thank Christian for hopping on our show this week. Christian, is there anything else you want to say before we leave? Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to you guys. I mean, uh, I love seeing the content that you guys continuously put out i mean i think it's a great idea that you guys put together this podcast and you know have some great faces on here to be able to come and talk sports the things that we're all passionate about and um yeah i mean you guys continue to to inspire me and you know i uh, i'm grateful for being able to uh you know still keep in touch with you guys and and knowing that i share some moments on the field or you know in the newsroom with you guys is uh is an honor and and uh, you know it's a it's a great moment. You know I uh, I think it's awesome uh, being able to to share these kind of experiences with people that are that have the same passion as you. And uh, I love what you guys are doing. You guys have uh, such a bright future ahead of you. Um, this is endless. You never know how it's going to grow and where it's going to go. And I mean, what what guess you guys will have in the future? So I appreciate you guys for for thinking of me and for allowing me to come on your platform and be able to just talk, chat a little bit. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate you as well. And uh, everyone, go follow him on Twitter at Alvarez the Viper. Um, always posting some good content on there. It's always uh, notable retweets that I somehow miss that uh, you're always retweeting and stuff like that. And you're posting about the UFC. That's where I get my fix on the UFC for sure. So, um, yeah, thank you again for being on Anytime. Yeah, thank you, Christian. All right, that's going to do it for us. Next week, we're going to recap the final games in Tokyo, final Olympic games here in uh, in in Tokyo. Uh, we'll talk some more baseball as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season, starting to heat up in those standings across all six divisions. We're going to even you know, NFL is right around the corner too, with the Hall of Fame game happening yesterday. We got preseason football coming up, so. A lot to look forward to. And before we go, Christian, um, give us a, a real quick uh, Premier League prediction. Oh, man. I uh, I hope my Manchester United Red Devils can come out on top. I like the moves that they've made. I mean, I think they had a, a big uh, a little gap to fill in in defense. And being able to get Rafael Varane is a, a huge asset for them. So I'm really stoked with that. I hope they can... Uh, sign a defensive midfield. I think that's the last piece that they need because being able to acquire uh, Sancho to pair along with Rashford and, and now the midfielder having uh, Pogba and Bruno Fernandes with the things that they've done. Um, you know, that back line now with uh, Harry Maguire and, and Luke Shaw and Aaron Wambasaka. 
Um, not sure how the rotation is going to fill out for goalkeeping yet, if they're going to keep going forward with David De Gea or give Henderson a, a call up. And uh, But it's it's exciting nonetheless. And, uh, you know, as long as they can beat Manchester City, I will be happy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Down the Line. We thank Christian and Kyle. Thank you uh, for hopping on and listening to this week's Down the Line. Hope you guys tune in next week.